Chapter Twelve of Joshua by George Ebers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve. When morning dawned, all who had not gone down to meet the fugitives who were to make their first long halt here had assembled on the roof of one of the largest houses in Sukkoth one after another fleet-footed man or boy hurrying in advance of the rest had reached sukoth aminadab's house was the goal sought by the majority it consisted of two buildings one occupied by nashon the owner's son and his family the other a larger dwelling which sheltered besides the gray-haired owner and his wife his son-in-law aaron with his wife children and grandchildren and miriam the aged leader of his tribe who had assigned the duties of his position to his son nashon extended his hand to every messenger and listened to his story with sparkling eyes often dimmed by tears he had induced his old wife to sit in the armchair in which she was to be carried after the people that she might become accustomed to it and for the same reason he now occupied his own when the old dame heard the messenger's boast that the fair future promised to the people was now close at hand her eyes often sought her husband and she exclaimed yes moses for she held her son-in-law's brother in high esteem and rejoiced to see his prophecy fulfilled the old people were proud of aaron too but all their love was lavished upon eleazar their grandson whom they beheld growing up into a second moses miriam had been for some time a new and welcome member of the household true the warm-hearted old couple's liking for the grave maiden had not increased to parental tenderness and their daughter elisheba aaron's active wife had no greater inclination to share the cares of the large family with the prophetess than her son nashon's spouse who moreover dwelt with her immediate family under her own roof yet the old people owed miriam a debt of gratitude for the care she bestowed upon their granddaughter milcah the daughter of aaron and elisheba whom a great misfortune had transformed from a merry-hearted child into a melancholy woman whose heart seemed dead to every joy a few days after her marriage to a beloved husband the latter carried away by passion had raised his hand against an egyptian tax-gatherer who while pharaoh was passing through sukkoth toward the east had attempted to drive off a herd of his finest cattle for the kitchen of the lord of both worlds for this act of self-defence the hapless man had been conveyed to the mines as a prisoner of state and every one knew that the convicts there perished soul and body from torturing labor far beyond their strength through the influence of old nun hosea's father the wife and relatives of the condemned man had been saved from sharing his punishment as the law prescribed but milka languished under the blow and the only person who could rouse the pale silent woman from brooding over her grief was miriam the desolate heart clung to the prophetess and she accompanied her when she practised in the huts of the poor the medical skill she had learned and took them medicines and alms the last messengers aminadab and his wife received on the roof described the hardships of the journey and the misery they had witnessed in dark hues but if one more tender-hearted than the rest 
broke into lamentations over the sufferings endured by the women and children during the prevalence of the desert wind and recalling the worst horrors impressed upon his memory uttered mournful predictions for the future the old man spoke cheering words telling him of the omnipotence of god and how custom would inure one to hardship his wrinkled features expressed firm confidence while one could read in miriam's beautiful yet stern countenance little of the courageous hope which youth is wont to possess in a far higher degree than age during the arrival and departure of the messengers she did not quit the old couple's side leaving to her sister-in-law elisheba and her servants the duty of offering refreshments to the wearied men she herself listened intently with panting breath but what she heard seemed to awaken her anxiety for she knew that no one came to the house which sheltered aaron save those who were adherents of her brothers the leaders of the people if such men's blitheness was already waning what must the outlook be to the lukewarm and refractory she rarely added a question of her own to those asked by the old man and when she did so the messengers who heard her voice for the first time looked at her in surprise though musical the tones were unusually deep after several messengers in reply to her inquiries declared that hosea the son of nun had not come with the others her head drooped and she asked nothing more till pallid milka who followed her everywhere raised her dark eyes beseechingly and murmured the name of reuben her captive husband the prophetess kissed the poor disconsolate wife's forehead glanced at her as if she had neglected her in some way and then questioned the messengers with urgent eagerness concerning their news of reuben who had been dragged to the mines one only had learned from a released prisoner that milka's husband was living in the copper mines of the province of beck in the neighborhood of mount sinai and miriam seized upon these tidings to assure milka with great vivacity and warmth that if the tribes moved eastward they would surely pass the mines and release the hebrews imprisoned there these were welcome words and milka who nestled to her comforter's breast would gladly have heard more but great restlessness had seized upon the people gazing into the distance from the roof of amenadab's house a dense cloud of dust was approaching from the north and soon after a strange murmur arose then a loud uproar and finally shouts and cries from thousands of voices lowing neighing and bleeding such as none of the listeners had ever heard and then on surged the many-limbed and many-voiced multitude the endless stream of human beings and herds which the astrologer's grandson on the observatory of the temple at tanis had mistaken for the serpent of the nether world now too in the light of early dawn it might easily have been imagined a host of bodiless spirits driven forth from the realms of the dead for a whitish-gray column of dust extending to the blue vault of heaven moved before it and the vast whole with its many parts and voices veiled by the clouds of sand had the appearance of a single form often however a metal spearhead or brazen kettle smitten by a sunbeam flashed brightly and individual voices shouting loudly fell upon the ear the foremost billows of the flood had now reached aminadab's house before which pasture lands extended as far as the eye could reach 
words of command rang on the air the procession halted dispersing as a mountain lake overflows in spring sending rivulets and streams hither and thither but the various small runlets speedily united taking possession of broad patches of the dewy pastures and wherever such portions of the torrent of human beings and animals rested the shroud of dust which had concealed them disappeared the road remained hidden by the cloud a long time but on the meadows the morning sunlight shone upon men women and children cattle and donkeys sheep and goats and soon tent after tent was pitched on the green sward in front of the dwellings of aminadab and nashon herds were surrounded by pens stakes and posts were driven into the hard ground awnings were stretched cows were fastened to ropes cattle and sheep were led to water fires were lighted and long lines of women balancing jars on their heads with their slender beautifully curved arms went to the well behind the old sycamore or to the side of the neighboring canal this morning as on every other working day a pied ox with a large hump was turning the wheel that raised the water it watered the land though the owner of the cattle intended to leave it on the morrow but the slave who drove it had no thought beyond the present and as no one forbade him moistened as he was wont the grass for the foe into whose hands it was to fall hours lapsed ere the advancing multitude reached the camp and miriam who stood describing to aminadab whose eyes were no longer keen enough to discern distant objects what was passing below witnessed many an incident from which she would fain have averted her gaze she dared not frankly tell the old man what she beheld it would have clouded his joyous hope relying with all the might of an inspired soul upon the god of her fathers and his omnipotence she had but yesterday fully shared aminadab's confidence but the lord had bestowed upon her spirit the fatal gift of seeing things and hearing words incomprehensible to all other human beings usually she distinguished them in dreams but they often came to her also in solitary hours when she was deeply absorbed by thoughts of the past or the future the words ephraim had announced to hosea in her name as a message from the most high had been uttered by unseen lips while she was thinking under the sycamore of the exodus and the man whom she had loved from her childhood and when that day between midnight and morning she again sat beneath the venerable tree and was overpowered by weariness she had believed she heard the same voice the words had vanished from her memory when she awoke but she knew that their purport had been sorrowful and of ill omen spite of the vagueness of the monition it disturbed her and the outcries rising from the pastures certainly were not evoked by joy that the people had joined her brothers and the first goal of their wanderings had been successfully gained as the old man at her side supposed no they were the furious shouts of wrathful undisciplined men wrangling and fighting with fierce hostility on the meadow for a good place to pitch their tents or the best spot at the wells or on the brink of the canals to water their cattle wrath disappointment despair echoed in the shouts and when her gaze sought the point where they rose loudest she saw the corpse of a woman borne on a piece of tent cloth by railing bondmen and a pale death-stricken infant held on the arm of a half-naked frantic man its father who shook his disengaged hand in menace toward the spot where she saw her brothers 
the next moment she beheld a gray-haired old man bowed by heavy toil raise his hand against moses he would have struck him had he not been dragged away by others she could not bear to stay longer on the roof pale and panting for breath she hurried to the camp milka followed and wherever they encountered people who lived in sukoth they received respectful greetings the newcomers from zoan as the hebrews called tanis Fakos and bubastus whom they met on the way did not know miriam yet the tall figure and stately dignity of the prophetess led them also to make way respectfully or pause to answer her questions the things she learned were evil and heart-rending for joyously as the procession had marched forward on the first day it dragged along sadly and hopelessly on the second the desert wind had robbed many of the strong of their power of resistance and energy others like the bondsman's wife and nursling had been attacked by fever on the pilgrimage through the dust and the oppressive heat of the day and they pointed out to her the procession which was approaching the burial place of the hebrews of sukoth those who were being conveyed to the born whence there was no return were not only women and children or those who had been brought from their homes ill that they might not be left behind but also men who were in robust health the day before and had broken down under burdens too heavy for their strength or who had recklessly exposed themselves while working to the beams of the noonday sun in one tent where a young mother was shaking with the chill of a severe attack of fever miriam asked the pallid milka to bring her medicine chest and the desolate wife went on her errand with joyous alacrity on the way she stopped many and timidly asked about her captive husband but could obtain no news of him miriam however heard from none hosea's father that eliab the freedman whom he had left behind had informed him that his son would be ready to join his people she also learned that the wounded ephraim had found shelter in his uncle's tent was the lad's illness serious or what other cause detained hosea in tanis these questions filled miriam's heart with fresh anxiety yet with rare energy she nevertheless lavished help and comfort wherever she went old nun's cordial greeting had cheered her and a more vigorous kind and lovable old man could not be imagined the mere sight of his venerable head with its thick snow-white hair and beard his regular features and his eyes sparkling with the fire of youth was a pleasure to her and as in his vivacious winning manner he expressed his joy at meeting her again as he drew her to his heart and kissed her brow after she had told him that in the name of the most high she had called hosea joshua and summoned him back to his people that he might command their forces she felt as if she had found in him some compensation for her dead father's loss and devoted herself with fresh vigor to the arduous duties which everywhere demanded her attention and it was no trivial matter for the high-souled maiden to devote herself with sweet self-sacrifice to those whose roughness and uncouth manners wounded her the women it is true gladly accepted her aid but the men who had grown up under the rod of the overseer knew neither reserve nor consideration their natures were as rude as their persons and when as soon as they learned her name they began to assail her with harsh reproaches asserting that her brother had lured them 
from an endurable situation to plunge them into the most horrible position when she heard imprecations and blasphemy and saw the furious wrath of the black eyes that flashed in the brown faces framed by masses of tangled hair and beards her heart failed her but she succeeded in mastering dread and aversion and though her heart throbbed violently and she expected to meet the worst she reminded those who were repulsive to her and from whom her woman's weakness urged her to flee of the god of their fathers and his promises she now thought she knew what the sorrowful warning voice under the sycamore had portended and beside the couch of the young dying mother she raised her hands and heart to heaven and took an oath unto the most high that she would exert every power of her being to battle against the faint-hearted lack of faith and rude obstinacy which threatened to plunge the people into sore perils jehovah had promised them the fairest future and they must not be robbed of it by the short-sightedness and defiance of a few deluded individuals but god himself could scarcely be wroth with those who content if their bodily wants were satisfied had unresistingly borne insults and blows like cattle the multitude even now did not realize that they must pass through the darkness of misery to be worthy of the bright day that awaited them the medicines administered by miriam seemed to relieve the sufferer and filled with fresh confidence she left the tent to seek her brothers there had been little change in the state of affairs in the camp and she again beheld scenes from which she recoiled and which made her regret that sensitive milka was her companion some rascally bondmen who had seized cattle and utensils belonging to others had been bound to a palm tree and the ravens that followed the procession and had found ample sustenance on the way now croaked greedily around the quickly established place of execution no one knew who had been judge or executioner of the sentence but those who took part in the swift retribution considered it well justified and rejoiced in the deed with rapid steps and averted head miriam drew the trembling milka on and gave her to the care of her uncle nashon to lead home the latter had just parted from the man who with him ruled the sons of judah as a prince of the tribe her who at the head of the shepherds had won the first victory against the egyptians and who now led to the maiden with joyful pride a man and a boy his son and grandson both had been in the service of the egyptians practising the trade of goldsmith and worker in metals for pharaoh at memphis the former skill had won him the name of uri which in egyptian means great and this artificer's son bezaleel hers grandson though scarcely beyond boyhood was reputed to surpass his father in the gifts of genius her gaze with justifiable pride at son and grandson for though both had attained much consideration among the hebrews they had followed their father's messenger without demur leaving behind them many who were dear to their hearts and the property gained in memphis to join their wandering nation and share its uncertain destiny miriam greeted the new arrivals with the utmost warmth and the men who representing three generations stood before her presented a picture on which the eyes of any well-disposed person could not fail to rest with pleasure the grandfather was approaching his sixtieth year and though many threads of silver mingled with his ebon black hair he held himself as erect as a youth 
while his thin, sharply cut features expressed the unyielding determination, which explained his son's and grandson's prompt obedience to his will. Uri, too, was a stately man, and Bezalel a youth, who showed that he had industriously utilized his nineteen years, and already attained an independent position. His artist's eyes sparkled with special brilliancy, and after he and his father had taken leave of Miriam to greet Caleb, their grandfather and great-grandfather, she heartily congratulated the man, who was one of her brother's most loyal friends, upon such scions of his noble race. Her seized her hand, and, with a warmth of emotion gushing from a grateful heart, that was by no means usual to the stern, imperious nature of this chief of an unruly shepherd tribe, exclaimed, Ay, they have remained good, true, and obedient. God has guarded them and prepared this day of happiness for me. Now it depends on you to make the fairest of all festivals. You must have long perceived that my eyes have followed you, and that you have been dear to my heart. To work for our people and their welfare, is my highest aim as a man, yours as a woman, and that is a strong bond. But I desire to have a still firmer one unite us, and since your parents are dead, and I cannot go with the bridal dower to Amram, to buy you from him, I now bring my suit to you in person, high soul maiden. But ere you say yes or no, you should learn that my son and grandson are ready to pay you the same honor as head of our household, that they render me, and your brothers willingly permit me to approach you as a suitor. Miriam had listened to this offer in silent surprise. She had a high esteem and warm regard for the man who so fervently desired her love. Spite of his age, he stood before her in the full flush of manhood and stately dignity, and the beseeching expression of eyes, whose glance was wont to be so imperious and steadfast, stirred the inmost depths of her soul. She, however, was waiting with ardent longing for another, so her sole answer was a troubled shake of the head. But this man of mature years, a prince of his tribe, who was accustomed to carry his plans persistently into execution, undeterred by her mute refusal, continued even more warmly than before. Do not destroy in one short moment the yearning repressed with so much difficulty for years. Do you object to my age? Miriam shook her head a second time, but her went on. That was the source of my anxiety, though I can still vie with many a younger man in vigor. But if you can overlook your lover's gray hairs, perhaps you may be induced to weigh the words he now utters. Of the faith and devotion of my soul, I will say nothing. No man of my years woos a woman, unless his heart's strong impulse urges him on. But there is something else which, meseems, is of equal import. I said that I would lead you to my house. Yonder it stands, a building firm and spacious enough, but from tomorrow a tent will be our home, the camp our dwelling place, and there will be wild work enough within its bounds. No one is secure, not even of life, lest of all a woman, however strong she may be, who has made common cause with those against whom thousands murmur. Your parents are dead, your brothers might protect you, but should the people lay hands on them, the same stones on which you cross the stream would drag you down into the depths with them. And were I your wife, you also, replied Miriam, her thick eyebrows contracting in a heavy frown. 
I will take the risk, Her answered. The destinies of all are in God's hands. My faith is as firm as yours, and behind me stands the tribe of Judah, who follow me and Nashon as the sheep follow the shepherds. Old Nun and the Ephraimites are with us, and should matters come to the worst, it would mean perishing according to God's will, or in faithful union, power and prosperity, awaiting old age in the promised land. Miriam fearlessly gazed full into his stern eyes, laid her hand on his arm, and answered, Those words are worthy of the man whom I have honored from childhood, and who has reared such sons. But I cannot be your wife. You cannot? No, my lord, I cannot. A hard sentence, but it must suffice, replied the other, his head drooping in sorrow. But Miriam exclaimed, Nay, her. You have a right to ask the cause of my refusal, and because I honor you, I owe you the truth. Another man of our race reigns my heart. He met me for the first time when I was still a child. Like your son and grandson, he has lived among the Egyptians, but the summons of our God and of his father reached him as did the message to your sons, and like Uri and Bezalel, he showed himself obedient. If he still desires to wed me, I shall become his wife, if it is the will of God whom I serve, and who shows me the favor of suffering me to hear his voice. But I shall think of you with gratitude forever. Her large eyes had been glittering through tears as she uttered the words, and there was a tremor in the gray-haired lover's voice as he asked in hesitating, embarrassed tones. And if the man for whom you are waiting, I do not ask his name, shuts his ears to the call that has reached him, if he declines to share the uncertain destiny of his people? That will never happen, Miriam interrupted, a chill creeping through her veins, but her exclaimed, there is no never, no surely, save with God. If, spite of your firm faith, the result should be different from your expectations, will you resign to the Lord the wish, which began to stir in your heart, when you were still a foolish child? He who has guided me until now will show me the right way. Well then, replied her, put your trust in him, and if the man of your choice is worthy of you, and becomes your Lord, my soul will rejoice without envy when the Most High blesses your union. But if God wills otherwise, and you need a strong arm for your support, I am here. The tent and the heart of her will ever be open to you. With these words he turned away, but Miriam gazed thoughtfully after him, as long as the old chief's stately figure was visible. At last, still pondering, she moved toward her host's house, but at the road leading to Tanis, she paused and gazed northward. The dust had subsided, and she could see a long distance, but the one person whom it was to lead back to her and to his people did not appear. Sighing sadly, she moved onward with drooping head, and started violently when her brother Moses's deep voice called to her from the old sycamore. End of chapter 12